It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Pride is back at the White House. For this community, for our nation, for the world, Pride Month represents so much. It stands for courage. The courage of all those in previous generations and today who proudly live their truth. It stands for justice. Both the steps we've taken and the steps we need to take. And above all, Pride Month stands for love. You know, being able to love yourself. Love whomever you love and love this country enough to make it more fair and more free and more just. President uh, Joe Biden, he's never said anything truer, at least the last part, about loving yourself. He would know about that. Most of us would. That's kind of our natural tendency. And I think a lot of what's coming, uh, manifesting itself out of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender movement is love of self over love of anything else. You know, uh, loving yourself so much that you indulge every passion that you have to the detriment of your family and friends and the health of others and the safety of others. Uh, it is, uh, and, and the, uh, one thing before I spend too much time on this, again, this is the tendency of man to love ourselves. <laughs> we don't have to be admonished to love ourselves. Uh, this is Pride Month, Pride Month, Shame Month, we should call it, and uh, it will be over the end of June, but... Um, I was just reading this morning something that really struck me. It's um, in the blaze, and it was a woman in Los Angeles. She was in a spa, and uh, I don't know if they—I don't know what the exact circumstances were—but they were inside the spa. It was just women only, and uh, suddenly a person unveiled themselves to be a man in a strategic area with the women right there. The woman comes out as she's very upset. You can hear her shouting. He's a man. He's a man. And then she says he has, yes, you fill in the blank. He's a man. And she, the video lasts a long time. As she says to people in the hallway there, this is not right. This is not right. You cannot, this is for women. And then someone kind of pushes back and she says, no, he's a man. He has, he's a man. You know, it's just a common sense discussion. And she's getting more and more exasperated. And the thing that struck me was, she obviously has no clue, really. Up until that moment, she had no clue what's happening in this country and what's happening in public schools, what Barack Obama pushed. She was black. I'm sure she didn't know that Barack Obama was all about that, all about that. Uh, she had no idea that, and as many people don't, that school boards have been pushing, letting boys use girls' bathrooms and girls use boys' bathrooms if they identify as, you know, the other sex. It's it's bizarre, and her common sense in that uh, rant that she recorded is amazing to me. 
And, you know, I think that she probably represents a lot of people, a lot of parents who, who are now going to these school board meetings. There is an awakening going on in this country. I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know if it's too late or not. Uh, but I just want to say to all of you uh, just that uh, the truth is people are now seeing what the truth is, and they're waking up, and that encourages me. Uh, but, of course, the Supreme Court across town, well, across the country from Los Angeles, decided on Monday for the fourth time that they would not hear a legal challenge over shared restrooms for transgender students. It's a Virginia high school. It happened. The case was brought back in 2015. Uh, from a, a guy, a, a girl who wants to be a boy and now looks like a boy. He'd call him himself, calling herself Gavin Grimm. Uh, and so uh, she wanted to use the boys' facilities, and the school board said no and offered uh, her a private bathroom, but that wasn't enough. And so she sued, and the Supreme Court decided yesterday, well, they would not hear that case. The two justices who would have heard the case and tried to settle this matter were Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. Uh, they are, you know, I'm fans. I can tell you right now, I'm a fan of those two men. I happen to know them, uh, and uh, that's not important. But what they're doing is what makes me like them. It's not because I know them, and I, but it's just, uh, God bless those guys. If it weren't for those two, where, where's Amy Coney Barrett on this? Uh, where's, uh, you know, the other, where are the others, the, the strong Catholic members of the court? Where are they? Of course, Sam Alito and Clarence both are uh, sorry, sorry, Justice Thomas are both uh, Catholic, so I, that's not a disparagement. It's just, where are the others? Where are the others? Okay, so that's what the Supreme Court did yesterday. But, of course, there's oh so much more news, and I have to get to it. Some very important things that I wanted to get to yesterday. Uh, we played this clip for you. I think Nancy Pelosi made this comment over the weekend. Let's listen. Uh, I'm announcing that the House will be establishing a uh, select committee on the January 6th insurrection. Again, January 6th was one of the darkest days in our nation's history. I've said it now three times. It is imperative that we establish the truth of that day and ensure that an attack of that kind cannot happen and that we root out the causes of it all. The Select Committee will investigate and report on the facts and the causes of the attack, and it will make report recommendations uh, for the prevention of any future attack. All right. Well, that's enough of that for right now. I, I So we have more information this morning. <clears throat> the, here's, the, here's the way it's going to go. Uh, Mrs. Pelosi will have the ability to appoint eight members to this select committee that's going to get to the truth. Uh, they're going to get to the truth on what? The truth and root out the causes. Uh, and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy will be able to appoint five members of the committee in consultation with her, not just anyone that he wants, but in consultation with Nancy Pelosi. Those are the rules. Oh, sounds a little sort of slanted, don't you? I think uh, she's now talking about appointing, appointing a Republican herself as her one of her eight, like Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger, <laughs> who hate President Trump and hate Trump supporters. It's really not funny at all. The House is going to vote on the resolution on Wednesday. Um, Sundance, who I often quote, uh, that's his little nickname he uses when he writes, he said that this select committee uh, is to MAGA voters what the Mueller investigation was to President Trump, a tool to attack political opposition and frame a narrative for the 2022 midterm election, and nothing more. It will be entirely run by Democrats and their operatives, and the difference this time will be that the president is not the sole target. It's uh, They're using the Alinsky methods to target 
Trump voters. And he's recommending that none of the Republicans even cooperate with this. Why would they? Why would they? He said the way to handle this is just let the Democrats have it. Just let them do it and, uh, and mock them in the process. And I think he's right. I think he's right. And I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts as much as I can in the time I have left. Let me say to you, we have a special guest today that I have admired for years, but I've actually never interviewed him. Uh, and he's going to be joining us a few minutes on this incredible story he's written about how Iran is turning to Christ. There's like a Christian revival going on in Iran. It is an amazing story. He wrote it for Newsweek, and he's going to join us. His name is Daniel Pipes, so stay tuned. All right, so back to January the 6th. I'm going to give you an update on some personal things. A 73-year-old pastor, who's also a Purple Heart veteran, was arrested for being at the Capitol, along with his son, who was arrested in front of um, his three-year-old daughter. Uh, This was, his name is James Cusick, and uh, he is from Florida. And the description is the same as the others. The FBI comes, they bring all these people, they knock down the doors, they take uh, thousands of dollars of electrical devices, they went through a dumpster to try to find Trump stickers and hats and support for him. And uh, so uh, that's happened to uh, Pastor James Cusick, 73. There's more, of course, for each of these stories, but I wanted, the second one is uh, someone sent this to me, Peggy, who listens. This is about Derek Kennison. Uh, her, her, his mother has written this. It's on Facebook, and so I think the name is fine to share. Um, it, it says he's an absolutely amazing man. He's a strong Christian. Uh, he has a couple of buddies. Uh, they are Christian brothers from his church, and they've done security before. They went to D.C. to try to uh, to do, be security because they thought that Antifa and Black Lives Matter and other radicals might uh, be prey upon. Uh, children and elderly who were coming to the January 6th rally in support of President Trump. And that was their motivation. They drove from California out there. Uh, or I don't know if they drove. They they went from California out there. Um, and so that's what they did. She says they're amazing family men and men of God. At no time, she said, did my son enter the Capitol building, and at no time did he incite any kind of violence. But on February the 19th at 6.02, in his home and the homes of the other three men and their families raided by the FBI and SWAT team, broke down doors, smashing glass, busting fences, microphones, flashbang grenades. Uh, they, the son exited the front door with his hands up, laser dots on his chest. His daughter followed laser dots on her chest, little girl, in her pajamas. She was hand, he was handcuffed. There was a tank in the driveway and a SWAT team. Uh, and, then, and there's more to say about that story, but I have to skip uh, to get it all in for you this morning. This last Thursday, June 10th, four months later, the men got calls to turn themselves into the federal building in Riverside within two hours. They were indicted by a grand jury, arrested, processed, bail set, and released with many restrictions. Now the hard part has started trying to defend themselves in federal court in D.C. for the strange concoction of charges, none of which are true. Um, So uh, there's more, of course, to say about that. And then there's one that uh, you may have seen. This made national news. These are these stories I'm telling you have not necessarily have probably not made national news. This one is about a New Yorker, Joseph Bolanos of the Upper West Side, who is a registered Democrat, but like some of Trump's policies, uh, he is known as a pillar in his community. He's the president of the Upper West Side Block Association. He has been for 23 years. He looked out for his neighbors during the pandemic. He dropped off max. He kept extra heaters in his rent-controlled apartment for seniors. Uh, he was uh, raised morale with weekly street dances. 
He was a Red Cross volunteer after the 9-11 attacks, and I could go on and on. He was taking care of his 94-year-old mother, well-loved by neighbors, but he went to Washington on January the 6th. He never entered the Capitol building, and yet he has been arrested. Uh, There's more to this story. He left because he was cold, and he thought President Trump's speech was boring. He went back to his hotel. He has video, time-stamped video of himself in his room, and even so, the FBI has arrested him. Uh, and now he is hated by his neighbors. He's had a, a strokes, I think three different, stro- some, I believe it was three strokes since this has happened. They've ruined his life. This is a guy in New York City. So uh, I want to close this particular conversation with a Julie Kelly uh, latest offering written June the 23rd. She said the entire investigation of January 6th is an attempt to prosecute people based on their beliefs. Those who purge their views and admit their wrong think will be given mercy, and those who don't will pay dearly. And then she talks about a, a, a listener from Indiana, Southern Indiana, 49-year-old grandmother, Anna Morgan Lloyd. She's one of more than 500 Americans arrested. She talks at great length about how uh, she has just pled guilty to whatever she had to plead guilty to and sort of uh, changed her mind about President Trump and that day and and uh, and her lawyer has been giving her books that she must read. She's submitted book reports on racism and a privilege and all of those things and she's passed her test and now they're satisfied that her thinking has been altered. So now she got I think a $500 fine and 3 days in jail and then something like 3 years probation. But um it all worked. Lloyd changed her opinion on the death penalty in her review of Schindler's list that was submitted to the court. She had to do a review of Schindler's List, uh, she she lamented all of the things that she had done. And so this is what they're trying to do. And the inference is that every single person that simply attended on January the 6th is a racist. Uh, and of anybody that doesn't believe that the, um, uh, this is the other thing that Julie mentions, and I've mentioned this before, you cannot believe that the 2020 presidential election was evidence of wrongdoing can't believe that or you will not be released and many of those still incarcerated are refusing to recant that by the way 70 percent of republicans don't think that joe biden earned enough legitimate votes to win the white house so those jails may be bulging before long but that's the state of things we'll put julie's article on our facebook page sandy rios in the morning coming up next daniel pipe and the uh, christianization of iran stay tuned You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch, too. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833 Bible. That's 833 Bible. 833 Bible. Perfect little hands and perfect little feet. Can you hear that? That's her little heart beating. I had no idea I had a little baby girl in there. 
these little fingers and little toes. I didn't know at all she was so real. They told me she wasn't a baby and should be aborted. Now, I could never. This ultrasound gives you a glimpse of God's perfect design and the good work He has begun with you. You both have intrinsic worth and value and are loved beyond measure. Life-changing transformation happens in the communities that need us most. That's exactly why ICU Mobile chooses to go. Four of five women in our mobile units see their ultrasound and choose life. Visit us now at icumobile.org to make a life-saving contribution. Or text LIVES to 45777. That's L-I-V-E-S to 45777. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. A notorious gang of atheists is demanding that a Virginia school district investigate allegations a soccer coach prayed with his team. The Freedom From Religion Foundation says a concerned citizen observed coaches at Graham High School bowing their heads on the soccer field. It's unclear whether the concerned citizen was allowed to be on school property or if they were simply lurking in the bushes while photographing the children. That's a tad bit creepy, even for atheists. They say such prayers are unconstitutional. The Third Circuit Court of Appeals held high school football coaches who organize, lead, or participate in prayers are violating the Establishment Clause. Coaches are not even allowed to bow their head or take a knee unless, of course, they are protesting the national anthem. That's okay. Prayer is not. The out-of-town atheists are demanding the school district stop all school-sponsored prayers, and maybe the district could also erect a fence to keep out any atheist peeping toms. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Tonight we're just getting word that U.S. forces have come under rocket fire in eastern Syria. No injuries reported, but it's likely in response to an American attack. The Pentagon released video showing U.S. fighter jets targeting facilities used by Iranian-backed militias along the Syria-Iraq border tonight. The Biden administration says those facilities are used to launch drone attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq. All right, so that's a kind of interesting story because we know that President Biden is wanting to reinstate the Iran agreement, uh, the one that President Trump worked hard to uh, disentangle us from after Barack Obama started it, who loved all things Iran. Iran is kind of, um, and by the way, the uh, the uh, reason they attacked those facilities because uh, they said that they were used by Iran-backed militia factions. I'm sorry, that didn't explain. That's, that's why... Um, that's why they attack those. But Iran has been sort of filling our um, news for a very long time. And I want to give you just a little, just some basic understanding of uh, the nation of Iran. Keep in mind that Iran is not an Arab country. Iran, the Iranians are a different branch of Islam and ethnicity completely. The Iranians are Persians. Uh, and although they are also Muslim with the Arab world, they are Shia Muslim, not Sunni. 
And there's a big difference in the year. Trust me, in the Muslim world, there's a huge difference. It has to go back with the descendants of Muhammad in the early years and how they interpreted the second coming, the, the coming that they talk about, um, and just differences uh, of opinion on who should be in charge and all of that. You know, we understand that, don't we? It seems to be the nature of uh, religious religious conflict. And so um, traditionally, Iran has not played well with the Arab countries, and they haven't played well with them. They've been, they're officially at odds with each other, at war. Uh, there have been a lot of wars through the centuries. But in modern times, uh, Iran has um, actually became a very modern country, very westernized. Under the Shah of Iran, uh, they, there was a really good relationship with the United States, uh, and people prospered, and women were, were allowed to dress in Western style, uh, go to school, get their education. Uh, it was a very free country in that way, a lot of opportunity. But in 1979, there was a revolution of the Islamic radicals, the sort of, um, uh, and so uh, they killed the Shah of Iran, and they took over, and they've been, you know, holding it in a death grip ever since. And so um, Iran has, as you know, gone backwards in time. Can you imagine that if in America suddenly we were forced to dress like we dressed 100 years ago to, you know, not have the, um, the prosperity, the opportunities, uh, women suddenly having to cover their faces, their heads? That's what happened in Iran, and it has been a struggle ever since. But um, that does not explain what's happened to them spiritually. And I, I want to talk about that. Now, we're, Daniel Pipes is not on the phone yet. I don't know what's happening. We're trying to get him on. Uh, but if if he doesn't join us in a minute, I'm going to move on to a different topic. But I will, you know, because he has such an incredible biography. I'm, I'll take your time to tell you who he is. And then if, God willing, he uh, we get through to him in just a few minutes here. He won't. His time will not be wasted by his own bio. Uh, he is the president of the Middle East Forum and, and a historian. And when I was on Fox, I used to hear Daniel... Uh, give his commentary all the time. Plus, we have mutual friends in the national security sphere. Uh, and I have had contact with him before, but again, just never was able to interview him. He is, uh, again, the president of the Middle East Forum uh, and a columnist for the Washington Times and The Spectator. He writes a lot about Islam, speaks about Turkey. You, uh, Those of you who, um, he used to be on television all the time. Maybe he still is, and I'm just not seeing him. Uh, but his website is danielpipes.org. And just to give you an idea of the scope of the things he does, he has had 85 million page visits on his uh, website. Um, the White, the Washington Post has deemed him both a prominent conservative intellectual and perhaps the most prominent U.S. scholar on radical Islam. So uh, he's written several books, 16 as a matter of fact. And uh, he founded the Mideast Forum in 1994. And it is huge. It has a lot of different outlets, like a think tank. And so they specialize in, uh, in camp- what's happening on campuses with Islam the Israel Victory Project, uh, and uh, he edits two journals. He's a graduate of Harvard. I could go on and on and on. His his biography is unbelievable. There's an entire page here of books and articles written about him. So that's who Daniel is. And uh, I am not going to talk about the substance of his article. It was just published in Newsweek. It's called Iran's Christian Boom. Uh, so um, I'm not going to do it without him because we will get him at some point if he if for something for some reason he cannot come through this morning. We'll talk to him later about that. Okay, so uh, he's still not on the phone, so I think I'm going to transfer to a different... You'll just be patient with me for a second. I think we're going to talk about what I was going to talk about in the last segment, and that is what's happening 
with elections. So um, this, or a couple of days ago, I guess it was the end of last week, it might have been Thursday, uh, the Attorney General of the United States announced that, uh, you know, what's happening in Georgia just will not do. What's happening in Georgia? Uh, they are they are uh, doing a recount, and um, and so he's saying that just can't happen. And so he announced that the DOJ is filing a lawsuit against Georgia. All right, so uh, I'll let you listen to just a little bit of this. This is your Attorney General Merrick Garland, Clip 6. The rights of all eligible citizens to vote are the central pillars of our democracy. They are the rights from which all other rights ultimately flow. Two weeks ago, I spoke about our country's history of expanding the right to vote. I noted that our progress on protecting voting rights, especially for black Americans and people of color, has never been steady. Moments of voting rights expansion have been, often been met with counter efforts to curb the franchise. Among other things, I express concern about the dramatic rise in state legislative actions that will make it harder for millions of citizens to cast a vote that counts. I explain that the Justice Department is rededicating its resources to enforcing federal law and to protecting the franchise for all eligible voters. And I promised that we are scrutinizing new laws that seek to curb voter access and that where we see violations of federal law, we will act. All right, that's enough. That's a, that's enough because uh, really ridiculous. As a matter of fact, uh, and I can't re you know go through the details of this, but I just want to give you an idea. The Georgia law is actually kind of weak. That's what my uh, Christian Adams and Hans von Spakowski and other election experts uh, tell me. Uh, it is actually pretty weak, <laughs> and yet they're acting like you know the Georgia law will stop Black Georgians from voting. It's just ridiculous, and it is frightening that the Attorney General of the United States would be repeating those lies, and now the Justice Department would be going after Georgia. Now, here's the, here's the deal, though. Um, there are lots of people pushing back on this, and um, uh, in fact, one of them is um, Jonathan Turley. Jonathan is saying this, this may backfire on them because what Georgia did was instate some laws that are just like laws in other states. There's, in terms of voter ID, it's very reasonable. And also, Americans actually support voter ID before you vote. So Jonathan Turley says this could be a troubling uh, move on the part of the Justice Department. Janelle King, who is uh, one of the parts of Speak Georgia, uh, she's a black woman, very impressive. Uh, this is what she had to say in response to this lawsuit. This is clip seven. Georgia is ground zero. We have elections coming up in 2022. Um, we have a huge U.S. Senate race, which my husband is running in. And we have a race where we are now, um, we're looking at a, a, a potentially overturning the House as well as taking majority in the Senate. So they are trying to do all they can. But what this, this lawsuit really shows is it really highlights how the Democratic Party has reduced the community, my community, the black community, down to nothing more than a political strategy. And if you read through this lawsuit, it is extremely insulting. It's basically saying that African-American people and black people in general are not intelligent enough to be able to figure out not just how to get ID, but how to locate your precinct in order to go vote. It's quite insulting. And this is all right. happening while the black community is under siege in these Democratic communities that, that are ran by <laughs> Democratic leaders. Yeah, so think about that. And yet, you know, if you're watching, I guess that was on Fox, some a conservative outlet, 
Uh, if you were watching MSNBC, you heard it differently. And I want to give you an idea. This is Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC talking to her guests about what the voting law in Georgia states. Listen to Andrea's question. <laughs> listen to her question and listen to the answer, clip nine. This is an attempt to deal with the preclearance issue. And it is no accident that it, these changes are taking place in particular states. And it is the nullification. It's Arizona taking away from the state, the Secretary of the State, Katie Hobbs, her right. And in Georgia, By the way, they write it so that the law, the change would expire exactly. when she her election that. term yeah. expires. There it's the most no bizarre question. attempt of all. It's taking 100,000 people off the, the rolls. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It is specifically aimed at people of color at people who have voted in this last election, people who had access because of the changes, because of COVID, they had more access. It's taking away in Texas, taking away Sunday voting, you know, sold to the poll. It's exactly aimed at minority voters. But Georgia, state Georgia state state. added Sunday voting, not didn't but take it took, away. They, they took away the other aspects of that. They, they are purging the rolls. And it's just, it's so explicit. <laughs> They're purging the rolls. They're purging like as though they're purging the rolls of black voters. They're purging the rolls of people that are ineligible to vote, who have moved to other places, who have died. That's what they're purging the rolls. The whole thing is just—it's really amazing. You know, when you think back, I started the show. I didn't play it because I couldn't. The language was a little rough. Of uh, that woman who uh, discovered in the spa in Los Angeles where a bunch of women were inside the spa without their clothing on, probably a towel, whatever, that somehow a dude was in there. But he thought he was a woman. He told the people he was a woman. So when he exposed himself, this woman was not happy about it. And she ran out and started, uh, she made a scene. And God bless her for making that scene and uh, speaking common sense about what makes a man a man and a woman a woman. And so I bring that up again to talk to you about or point out again the absurdity of saying that there's nothing to see the big lie. There's nothing to see in these states uh, where thousands and thousands of American citizens who were involved in these were involved in the elections and are involved in these recounts and are, want to make sure that it was right. But it, you, they're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to say it. You're not allowed to put anything about it on Facebook or, you know, Google is censoring. And we can't talk about such a thing because it is a big lie and we can't allow you. Well, last time I looked, there were they've always been liars. Let the liars lie and let their lies stand up against truth. That's what I'm in favor of. Uh, but uh, and back to this Georgia lawsuit, there's more to say about this, so, and I want to get it in here. The Arizona Attorney General has backed Georgia in the face of absurdly partisan, that's his words, DOJ lawsuit over election. As the Attorney General of Arizona, another state where the DOJ is attempting to intimidate local officials, please know that we stand with you in this fight and will do whatever we can to push back against this blatantly political and unmerited attack. That was a letter to Georgia AG Christopher Carr. He says the right of all eligible citizens to vote is the central pillar of our democracy, the right from which all other rights ultimately flow. Oh, sorry. I'm misquoting. That was back to that general, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland statement. You may recognize he just said that for us on this tape, on this show. Uh, he's talking about uh, that Georgia is trying to not allow eligible citizens to vote because of their color. So, but moving down to the rest of this letter that the AG from uh, Georgia wrote, uh, Arizona wrote to the one in Georgia. He says, today the fight has come to Georgia 
Tomorrow, it will be in Arizona. And if left unchallenged, the DOJ will intimidate other states in an attempt to undermine the Constitution and force submission to the relentless will of the current federal administration. We must not be deterred by these threats. That's written by the Arizona AG, uh, backing the Georgia AG and uh, the ridiculous lawsuit of the Justice Department. He's telling them to hang tough. And um, there's more, there's more, there's more. Uh, let me just say quickly about Arizona. You know, their their can't recount is continuing. They've got this, you know, model of uh, a forensic recount that's just uh, had, I think, 16 states have gone to observe what they're doing. And it's amazing. So the uh, legislature in Arizona just yesterday moved to strip the power from the Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, in election-related lawsuits and handing that power to the Attorney General's office instead. And that's the Attorney General that just whose letter I just quoted. So it was a measure contained within the Budget Reconciliation Bill, and it seeks to stop Hobbs, who is a Democrat, from playing a role in lawsuits related to state election rules while giving the Attorney General's office sole authority to defend Arizona's election laws. Now, it's heading to the desk of Governor Doug Ducey. He has not said or signaled that he opposes it, but we don't quite know what he's going to do with it. But that's what's happening in Arizona. But uh, back to Georgia. There's a lot more to say about Georgia. Uh, a judge this week uh, ruled in favor of this. Uh, you know, there's a, there are a lot of details here. But let me just say a judge is allowing this count to go on in Fulton County. Uh, he dismissed seven of nine claims in a lawsuit, and he's allowing two to proceed that require the county to produce digital images of some 150,000 mail-in ballots that are at the center of plaintiffs' allegations of fraud in the 2020 election. Uh, so it's really interesting. So that means they're going to continue with their um, uh, their counting of recounting of Fulton. I don't know how detailed it is. I, I can't tell you in this moment. I don't know. Uh, but just this morning, I received in my inbox uh, John Fredericks. John is a, a talk show host, a uh, national talk show host that you may have heard. He's great. I sat with him at a banquet recently. I just really enjoyed him. Uh, but he is saying that uh, Georgia may potentially decertify the 2020 election result for both the presidential race and the Senate race if the Fulton County audit confirms alleged the alleged 30,000 fraudulent ballots. Of course, there are lots of ballots that are being alleged as fraudulent, but he's speaking about a, thir- a certain batch of 30,000. And um, that's, think about that. Okay, so when we come back, more to say about Georgia. And um, so, so don't go away. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress turns to 1 John chapter 5 to discover how we can know with complete certainty that we've really been saved. Then, in honor of Independence Day this weekend, we'll discover the historical facts behind America's founding as a Christian nation. Listen all this week to Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood 
is crying to me from the ground. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the World Health Organization, abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2018. As of December 31st, 2018, 41.9 million babies were murdered in the womb. That's more than the 8.2 million people who died from cancer, more than the 5 million who died from smoking, and more than the 1.7 million who died from HIV-AIDS in 2018 globally combined. Thomas Jefferson once said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Lord, please strengthen us to abolish this wickedness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. White liberal elites and black social justice warriors want to defund, if not abolish, the police altogether. But it turns out that ordinary black Americans don't agree with them. This is simply because they live in crime-ridden neighborhoods and are quite conscious of the need for a visible police presence in their communities. White liberals have been shocked to discover that the leading vote-getter in the race for mayor of New York City is Eric Adams, a black former police chief who campaigned on expanding rather than abolishing or even diminishing the law enforcement presence in the Big Apple. Black and brown voters have flocked to his campaign because they want to live in a crime-free city just like everybody else does. And they wisely think the best way to get there is behind a mayor who vigorously supports the cops. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has made clear his determination to root out racism and extremism from the ranks of the U.S. military, unless, that is, the racism is black supremacism and the extremism is Marxist in character. In those cases, service personnel exhibiting such behavior are evidently immune from criticism and the sorts of purges in which the secretary and his minions are engaged, pursuant to the tenets of so-called critical race theory prized by the Biden-Harris administration. By contrast, former Commander-in-Chief Donald Trump declared over the weekend that were he still in office, he would have fired such military leaders. And a growing number of our countrymen have signed a petition respectfully insisting that Secretary Austin honor the oath of office that obliges him to support and defend the Constitution. Please endorse this petition at committee to support and defend.org. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. People who are really familiar with the, the thinking about this, it's that Democrats realize that they might, this is not going to only be solved in a legislative way. There has to be a judicial and a court battle ahead. When I'm talking to civil rights activists, they say they want to see two specific things. One, the DOJ really going after state legislatures to say you cannot just, not only voters, not only suppress people's vote, but nullify people's votes. So that can't be the way that America works. The second thing that they want to see is more judges on the court. They want to see President Biden accelerate his nominees to the court. So I think that's also where this is going. Um, this is an existential crisis in America. Who can actually get the access to vote? Um, Republicans in state legislatures are saying, if you essentially, um, and critics would say, 
that if you don't like, if we don't like the way that we that you voted, we will take away your vote. Um, and that I think is a real problem if you look at Philadelphia state legislatures and what, what if they and whether or not they can even nullify a million votes in Philly. That could be a problem and a big problem. That is just such a lie. It's amazing, and that is what your friends are hearing. Uh, certainly, a lot of black voters are hearing that. It's uh, that's what they hear. That's what they're listening to because it's being pumped out daily, every day, every day. You know, that again, uh, white supremacy, uh, critical race theory, a privilege, uh, they're taking away your vote. I mean, if you are told constantly that um, someone hates you and is uh, trying to hurt you, and you hear that in various forms every single day, then if you hear that there's this, oh, and then there's this too, you are, I would say, inclined to believe what's being said. Uh, but it, this, is, this is pernicious. It is a pernicious lie. And uh, we have a lot of uh, black Americans who are speaking up and pushing back. And thank God for that, we, how, how we need their voices. Because as I've said, and we'll say again, we are all in this together. We really are American brothers and sisters, sharing the same soil, raising our children in this great land. Uh, we fight to defend our borders, well, in normal days and circumstances, normal Americans fight to preserve their borders, to protect their families and understanding that threats from outside, and, and it doesn't matter about color. Uh, we band together to do this. We are, Again, we, we have worked together, I think, for decades and generations uh, to work together. This is an unusual country where it is a melting pot of people from all over the world. It's just the very nature of our country. And we have pr- managed to melt pretty well, I would say, uh, the, the the downside has been when we have um, started fragmenting people into encouraging people to keep the the to keep their loyalties to their own home countries and to tell them that America is not worth being loyal to, or even adapting to its customs, and so we've become sort of a balkanized country, and that's that's dangerous because what made America work before as a melting pot was when people came here, you know, there was nothing, there's no color. When it comes to the Declaration of Independence or the, the principles of our Constitution, our founding documents, that has nothing to do with color. In fact, it's the only documents in the world, you know, that says that, uh, that all men are created equal. Only like political document. The Bible certainly says that. All men, not that they're not equal. That doesn't mean you, the thing it doesn't mean is that each of you will have the same thing, no matter what, whether you work or not. It doesn't say that. It's that everyone has equal opportunity. Uh, they just uh, roll up their sleeves, and I think America has proved that. But anyway, I got off the track a little bit. I want to go back to Georgia because that was, uh, that's what she was talking about. You know, Georgia, of course, wants to keep black people from voting. Uh, yeah, all those white congressmen. That, just tell Vernon, jo- Vernon Jordan, is it Vernon Jones, the Democrat in Georgia, who's fighting right along with uh, the uh the whatever other Americans who serve in the legislature down there, people who love the the country. He he's black, by the way. He doesn't feel this way. Just for the record, and uh, because he's an honest man. So, I've mentioned this to you before, but it's worth repeating. Um, the Secretary of State uh, Raffensperger in Georgia appointed uh, a monitor. He's a contractor. He was handpicked. Uh, by Raffensperger to monitor what happened in the elections in that big arena in Georgia. The problem hap- was that this particular um, monitor kept a diary and notes 
Uh, and it didn't uh, it didn't look good. And actually, he tried to warn them in the middle of the night that things were not right, and they didn't listen. He wrote a 29-page memo uh, outlining the massive election integrity failures and mismanagement that he witnessed in the Atlanta area's election centers. It's a bombshell report, constructed like a minute-by-minute diary, cited a litany of high-risk problems such as double-counting of votes, insecure storage of ballots, possible violations of voter privacy— mysterious removal of election materials at a vote collection warehouse, and the suspicious movement of too many ballots on Election Day. Uh, His name is Carter Jones. Boy, God bless Carter, and I pray that God will protect him because this is probably, this is a lonely path, and he's he's in a key spot. Um, He said that uh, the the glaring, uh, he wrote that this seems like a, there seems to be a massive chain of custody problem. He wrote that around 4 p.m. on Election Day. He observed absentee ballots arriving at the county's central absentee scanning center at Atlanta's State Farm Arena, rolling in bins 2,000 at a time. It is my understanding that the ballots are supposed to be moved in numbered sealed boxes to protect them, but these ballots aren't. He also feared the flow of absentee ballots seemed too voluminous. Too many ballots coming in for secure black for secure black ballot boxes. That's what he observed. He also talked about his concerns over temporary workers brought in by a firm called Happy Faces to scan account ballots. He talks about overhearing them talk about uh, they're going to, uh, I can't say, blank, blank up. Uh, he, he actually heard them say that. And he said that's not a conclusive uh, evidence that they were up to no good, but it certainly is a warning and they need to be investigated. And he said, what is Happy Faces doing to vet people who they are sending to make sure that they are not sending in people who do actually want to blank, blank up? Um, and there's a lot more to this story. It's in just the news. It's not the first time. I think I may have uh, linked on our Facebook page another article on this, but Adam, let's add, let's add this one. It's Georgia's Georgia investigators' notes reveal massive election integrity problems in Atlanta because it's worth the read. And um, oh, and by the way, Stacey Abrams, it turns out, owns stock or at least a, is an investor in one of the companies that owns Happy Faces. Isn't that interesting? Just thought I'd mention it. And so I want to repeat uh, what I said about the news that just came into my inbox just before I went on the air this morning. And that was John Fredericks, uh, again, talk show host John Fredericks, who I again will say is just delightful. I don't know if any of you have heard him. Uh, he is a national host. He's just, he's great, solid. I really like him. He said, I was sitting with him and his father-in-law at a banquet recently, and we had a great conversation. And I think John's an honest guy. And he's talking, he's down in Georgia, and he says that Georgia, again, he's saying, may potentially decertify the 2020 election results. He said for the Senate race as well as, now that's, he, he wouldn't know, but he does have close contacts with people there. And that's what they're, that's what they're telling him, that it's possible if they find 30,000 fraudulent ballots, which is the particular topic he was talking about in his interview, um, it, in Fulton County, then it's... Uh, People want to move to decertify. Now, whether they will be able to do that or not, I don't know. I don't think we've ever been on this. We've never been in this place before. And this is happening around the country. I just heard yesterday that Michigan, there's something pending in Michigan that I am can't say about yet. But as soon as I know about it, I will tell you that uh, there may be something that will change there uh, to make uh, some further investigation possible. 
So we'll let you know when that happens. And, of course, Arizona is plugging away. And uh, please pray for these people uh, who are uh, who are just working, 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 because they want to do what's right and because they're, they're laying their lives on the line, just like those people that are incarcerated from January 6th. You know, this would be a good thing to pray every day. I need to remember myself. I certainly do. When, I, when it comes to my mind, uh, we need to pray for those people because most of them, I don't think some have pled guilty. And, you know, they have to, like, recount their—I mean, they have to take back their views on the election. They have to sort of, you know, give a mea culpa in order to get off, uh, get away or escape the charges. It's just terrific. And you're talking about a lot of people who were there were people of high character who do not—they were there because of their convictions and beliefs. And it's going to be, it's tough. They've got families and children. They've got these, they're not rich people. They don't have attorneys to come in. Most of them are upset with public defenders. And by the way, uh, in Julie Kelly's article, she talks about how these public defenders are, they are carrying the water to uh, change the minds, assigning these book readings and uh, claiming triumph when they've changed these January 6th detainees' minds about issues like the January 6th elect, um, like the January 6th certification of the election. And the thing that Julie points out is, okay, so a lawyer might give a client some books, but the public defender for these clients is supposed to be defending them against the government, not carrying the government's water to change the, the um, defendant's mind. Uh, that's that's not what a public defender is supposed to do. They're supposed to advocate for their client, and that's not what's happening. It's really it's just so twisted and upsetting. All right, I want to get to one more thing. Um, here's a little bit of I think least good news for the moment, and that is that Toyota uh, joined the ranks of other companies in being attacked by the cancel mob because there was an article that came out in um, Axios by Lachlan Marque chastising them for donating money to a range of Republican lawmakers who on January the 6th objected to certifying President Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. And according to, you know, Axios, that's just the unpardonable sin. So the article was spread wide. They they did um, donate to 37 of the objectors. Uh, And so social media went wild. They boycott, don't buy a Toyota. And you'd think that Toyota would do what all the other companies do. What do you think they might do? Well, you think they'd go, oh, no, no, we're so sorry. Now we're donating to, well, you and the left, and please forgive us. But they didn't do that. This was their response. We do not believe it is appropriate to judge members of Congress solely based on their votes on electoral certification. Uh, And they sent that back to Axios, who did not print the entire statement. So um, this is their full statement. Toyota's PAC, by design, is, a bipartis- is bipartisan in nature, and we contribute equally to the Democratic and Republican parties. Toyota supports candidates based on their position on issues that are important to the auto industry and the company. We do not believe it is appropriate to judge members of Congress solely based on their votes on the electoral certification. Based on our thorough review, we decided against giving to some members who, through their statements and actions, undermine the legitimacy of our elections and institutions. 
So Toyota is holding fast right now, but the cancel mob is coming after them. I think maybe if you have the money, you should go out this afternoon and buy a Toyota because that's just such a rare response. Uh, and then in uh, closing, I want to, this is something different, but and it's actually personal. You may remember that there's a guy named Rich Higgins who's a national security expert. He was on the president's National Security Council. He's an Army veteran. Uh, he was thrown off the National Security Council because he is the kind of guy he is. And he's been, he's a friend of mine. His name is Rich Higgins. He's been on this show several times. Uh, he is uh, just, um, I, well, he's been described as a true American hero, a patriot, father, and friend. And that's absolutely true. He's a retired U.S. Army veteran. He was uh, in um, security forces and um, intelligence. And so Rich is just, uh, he's, he's, he's a jewel. Okay, so I wanna, I'm trying to find this exact uh, description. He, was, he got really sick in January 2021, and uh, he suffered from a rare strain of COVID, which I think was a complication of what was happening. It had to do with his intestines. He got a blood clot, which caused him to lose a portion of his intestines. Uh, he's had, I think, as I, I think a friend of mine told me, he's had 16 surgeries. Uh, and now he's back in the hospital, and he's awaiting a transplant for his small bowel and I want to tell you this, if you want to help, my husband and I are helping. If you have, remember Rich and you want to help him, uh, you can go to GoFundMe. It's Medical Help for Rich Higgins. We'll put that on our Facebook page. And for those of you who are in the D.C. area tomorrow night, there will be a fundraiser for him. Uh, it's uh, Congressman Devin Nunez will be there. Amanda Milius, who is the director of this. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to do too much at once here. I can't think of the name of the movie, but it's great. And I've put, I put I have promoted it with to you with Amanda. Great. Kosh Patel, former chief of staff for Devin Nunes, Sebastian Gorka, and others who I don't have time to mention. If you want information about that, it's going to be June the 30th. It's a fundraiser for Rich. We'll put it on our Facebook page. And I encourage those of you in the Virginia, D.C. area to consider going to that and helping it. And the rest of you, I'll go to GoFundMe. Thank you for listening. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.